This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Fibber McGee and Molly was an American radio comedy series and one of the most popular and enduring radio series in its time from 1935 right through to 1956. The title characters were created and portrayed by Jim and Marion Jordan, a real-life husband and wife team that had been working in radio since the 1920s. The radio show was run on a very tight schedule. It was considered to be one of the best organized broadcasts on the network. Jim Jordan insisted that after the Tuesday broadcast, everyone affiliated with the program must take a two-day rest. Well, let's go now to the show that was aired in 1939 for the first time, Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> the Johnson White's program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Marion and Jim Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly with Jimmy Shields and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with High Ho! this holiday season, a good many friends will be dropping in to wish you a happy new year. And no matter how friendly they may be, they'll be looking over your home with a critical eye. They'll notice your floors, your tabletops and woodwork, your windowsills, your lampshades. Now, if all these things are wax-protected, you'll receive their compliments, because a gleaming coat of genuine Johnson's wax adds rich beauty to your home, keeps dirt and dust from collecting, wards off scratches and smudgy fingerprints. The most careful housekeepers have discovered that genuine Johnson's Wax is the easy way to keep their home spick and span, at the same time saving many hours of work throughout the year. Johnson Waxed floors grow more mellow, more beautiful with every waxing. They never need scrubbing. Johnson Waxed furniture and woodwork is easy to keep clean, is protected against stains and dirty fingerprints. You'll find 100 extra labor-saving uses for Johnson's Wax listed right on the package. You can buy this famous wax polish in either paste or liquid form. Order some tomorrow. There's an old saying that house guests and fish spoil after the first three days. But Fibber's Uncle Sycamore must have had a head start, because here at the railroad station, waving goodbye to the old miser, who after a two-day stay has just boarded the train for home, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. 
Linda. Huh? Oh. Goodbye, Uncle Sycamore. Goodbye. Except that dead rat of train and pull out. My arm's getting tired waving. Goodbye, Uncle Sycamore. You old turtle. Oh, look, McGee. He's smiling at us. That ain't us. He just thought of a way to jip the porter out of a tip. Goodbye, Uncle Sycamore. Goodbye. Ah, there he goes. Ah, well, thank goodness. For more reasons than one. Goodbye, Uncle Sycamore. Goodbye. Phew, what a relief. Wonder what time he'll get back to Peoria. I don't know. I'll find out. Here's the information booth. Hey, bud, when's that train get to Peoria? Well, let me look at the timetable a minute. <coughs> Whoops. Pardon me. Uh, now, um... Uh, let's see. Trains to Peoria. Oh, yes, here we are. It gets to Peoria two a- hours after leaving Chillicothe... Chillicothe... After leaving Chillicothe... Chillicothe... Don't worry, it'll get there. <laughs> Well, incidentally, what time is it now, sir? Well, it depends what kind of time you were inquiring, asking about. Now, there's Central Standard, Eastern Daylights, Mountain, Pacific, Pacific, Pacific. It's 11.30. Oh, thanks, bud. We should have saved that guy for next week, Molly. Yeah. <laughs> He'd sound more natural the day after New Year's. <laughs> Well, come on, let's go home. Oh. Oh, sorry, little girl. That's okay, mister. What you doing down here? <laughs> You're a little young to be interested in traveling salesmen. I bet you I'm not, I bet you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, I... <laughs> Gee, do we have to do this every week, mister? <laughs> I know, not if you quit arguing. I'm not arguing, I bet you. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. Oh, no. <laughs> there we go again. <laughs> now, look, sis, all I said was you're not interested in traveling salesmen. I am interested in traveling salesmen because my daddy is one and I'm waiting for him, I bet you. Oh, why didn't you say so? You didn't ask me. Huh? Oh, well, no, I guess I didn't. Didn't what? Didn't ask you. Ask me what? Huh? Hmm? I says you... Oh, let it go. Run along and meet your daddy. Okay, I guess I better. We got a wire for him and he's awful upset, I bet you. Oh. Somebody stole his briefcase off the train. Uh-oh, they did, eh? Hmm? <clears throat> they stole his briefcase, eh? Gee, did they? <laughs> Dad, Rattle, you said they did. Sure they did. And there was a fortune in it, too, I bet you. And then some. Oh, boy. What does your old man sell? Diamonds? No, magazines. <laughs> How could there be a fortune in them things? Well, there was, I bet you. There was a Collier's, a pickle a time, a click, and a fortune. <laughs> well, so long, mister. So long. <laughs> Well, come on, Molly. Let's get out of here. I'm All sorry. right, Red Cap. These, these bags get over to the Fitzcarlton Hotel library now. Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. Call me a cab. Yeah, yes, yeah. You better make it a couple of cabs. Load these bags in, the steamer roll, those briefcases, and the radio. Yeah, yes, yeah. Mm. Get a load of Mr. Big. Who does he think we think he is, anyway? I guess that's all, boys. Here's ten dollars. Split that up among you. Wow, let's go. Oh, boy, ten bucks. Hey, bud, let me carry a couple of them bags. McGee, come back here. Shame on you. Dad, read it, Molly. Can't I pick up an honest penny without you? For heaven's sakes, will you be quiet? I know that man. What? You do? Why, sure. How come you know a big shot like that there? Well, he wasn't a big shot when I knew him. He was only... 
Oh, dear, he sees me. I beg your pardon, but aren't you Miss Driscoll of Peoria? Otis! Molly! Oh, well, my, well, my, isn't I'm this so amazing? Fancy Otis. running into you here. <laughs> oh, it's been so long. Oh, I mean, oh, folks. Well, it's just a... I oh, never dear, would have believed oh, it. Hey, you! You have changed a bit. All right, all right. Here's a quarter for a cup of coffee. Now run along, sonny. <laughs> Good to see you again. How many years has it been? Oh, wait a minute, Otis. Uh, McGee, where are you going? I'm going to get a cup of coffee. You heard what the man said. No. <laughs> Me husband is such a joker, Otis. Your, your husband? Yes. That little squirrel. Oh, well, well, well. So little Molly Driscoll is married. McGee, this is Otis Cadwallader, with whom I used to go to school with. <laughs> Otis, this is me husband, Fibber. Oh, hi, Otis. Oh, glad to know you, Mr. Driscoll. Uh, tell me, Otis, how long are you going to be in Wistful Vista? Oh, just a short stay, Molly. Business, you know. Oh, well, I'm sorry I ain't staying longer, Otis. Old man, like to have you up to the house for supper. My dear fellow, I certainly wouldn't pass up a chance like that to talk to Molly. Oh, now, Otis. I'll tell you what. Let's just have a quiet snack at your house. Huh? And you tell your butler you're not at home to anyone else. Oh, uh, hey, 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 now, wait a minute. I, uh, we I'll did. be there at, oh, let's say around 8 o'clock. Oh. Well, I don't want to be late for my board meeting, so until 8... Bonjour, ma chérie. Bonjour, monsieur. Il trovatore, but. <laughs> ah, my, my. Think of meeting Otis Cadwallader right here in Wistful Vista, of all places. Yeah, I guess they're kind of letting the bars down on immigration these days. <laughs> now, you stop talking that way, McGee. Otis is a very nice man. Not only that, I... Uh, well, I almost married him. What? Well, let me be the first to congratulate you on getting me instead. <laughs> or am I the first? And McGee, did you hear what he said about our butler and all? He thinks we're... Ri I mean, how can we entertain a wealthy man like Otis when... No, oh, perish no, the no, thought. Now, Molly, don't you worry about a thing. I'll fix everything. We can borrow some silver from Mrs. Uppington, oh, dilly the house up a little, and I'll get us a butler if I have to hire Arthur Treacher. Oh, my. Come on, let's take a cab. Uh, no, let's walk. I, I, I can think better on my feet. On or with? Huh? Oh. <laughs> well, come on, we've got to hurry home. Thank you. 
house look, Molly? Pretty good, eh? Oh, yes. I borrowed them rubber plants from Joe's Tavern. Ah. <laughs> Nick DePopolis let me take that marble statue out of his candy kitchen. Beautiful, ain't it? Hmm. Who's it supposed to be? I think he says it was Aphrodite or something like that. <laughs> now, let's see. How else can we impress that uh, million candle power ex-flame of yours? Now, look here, McGee. Uh, I want you to be very nice to Otis. Remember, he's a cultured, well-traveled... What do you mean, well-traveled? I've been further under the barn looking for eggs than that guy will ever go. Well, now, just the same, Otis is a very nice boy. And what's more, our senior class voted him the man most likely to make something of himself. Sure made something of himself, all right. I ain't saying exactly what, but... <laughs> I'll bet he'd whinny if you offered him a lump of sugar. <laughs> All right, I thought you were going to help me, and here you are. Come in. Oh, there, Mrs. McGee. Hello there, Fibber. Oh, it's Mr. Gildersleeve. How do you do, Mr. Gildersleeve? Did you have a nice Christmas? What do we care whether he had a nice Christmas or not? Oh, my. Any guy that'd take the attitude you did, Gildersleeve, over me shoveling off your sidewalk. McGee, that's what I came over here for. Oh, yeah. All Christmas Day, I was thinking this thing over. I came to the conclusion that I'd been entirely wrong. It was a very neighborly thing for Pibber to shovel off my sidewalk. Yeah, and I used my own show snuffle, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was wrong to quarrel about it. I want to apologize. Shake hands, McGee. Well, uh... McGee, shake hands. Okay, Molly, shake. No, not with me, with Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh. Uh, now, now, looky here, now. I don't want to go for any old stuff out. All right, all right, all right. Forget it, Gildersleeve. Thank you, McGee. And I hope I can make it right with you some way. I'll do anything you say to make amends. Oh, shucks. Gildersleeve, you don't have to... Hey, wait a minute. You say you'll do anything? Just name it. Anything. Okay, Gildersleeve. You're a butler. <laughs> oh, wonderful, McGee. Butler? I don't understand, McGee. Look, Gildersleeve, we got a guest coming. A big shot, see? And we'd like to make a good impression on him. So you're going to act as our butler. Now, wait a minute, McGee. <laughs> Seems to me you're taking advantage of the situation. Ah, now you promised, Mr. Gildersleeve. You betcha. Oh, dear. Well, all right, when do I start? As soon as you can get ready. We want you to serve dinner. And remember, don't you cross us up. You go through with this all the way, see? McGee... When Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve makes a promise, there's no more to be said. Oh, I'll be the perfect butler. I'll go further than that. I'll go to a costume company and rent a uniform. By <laughs> 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 George, this might be fun after all. A butler. <laughs> I'll be right back, McGee. <laughs> well, we got a butler. Now, how about dinner? Is it going to be plain or formal? Well, we're having corned beef and cabbage. Mm -hmm. I suppose that makes it informal. Yeah, we better not call it corned beef and cabbage in front of Otis. No? Oh, no. We'll, we'll call it uh, venison O'Malley or something. <laughs> now about that... If, if I get... Oh, hello. 
Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Harlow. Hello, folks. Uh, Johnson's Wax is positively the finest furniture and floor polish that money can buy. Hey. It protects and beautifies all wood surfaces and cuts dusting down to a minimum, the... thus giving many more hours of leisure in which to enjoy the new beauty and spotlessness which it gives your home or office. Yeah, Johnson's Wax is... days, Mr. Wilcox. What are you doing? I'm telling the people about Johnson's Wax. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, but that ain't the way we do it. Okay. Usually you come in with some tricky little... Well, why should I sneak in here with some phony alibi to get my sales talk across? I'm proud of Johnson's Wax. Well, shucks, so are we. But... Why, certainly. So why should we beat around the bush all the time? Well... Let's come right out with it. Johnson's Wax is a great product and doesn't need to crawl into its own show with false whiskers. Oh, sure. Remember, folks, Johnson's Wax at your nearest dealers. Come on, kids. Oh, no. We can't let him get away with that there stuff like that there. And, uh, why not? I thought he was very straightforward and sincere. Well, that's just it. That guy's going to take all the mystery and glamour out of this business. Why, he'll ruin us. First thing you know, every sponsor on the air will think he has a right to bust into his program and start selling stuff. Well, that is serious. Well, I'll say that. Hey, Molly, what's that smell? Oh, heavenly days, the corned beef and cabbage. Oh. I better run out and see how it's coming along. You get busy now. Yeah. Hey, maybe that's Otis now. Wish I had my shoes on. <laughs> Come in. Oh, there, McGee. I rented this butler's uniform at the costume company. <laughs> how do I look, kid? Throckmorton? Yes. What? Throckmorton, as long as you are employed in this house, you will please maintain a more respectful attitude. Now go upstairs and lay out my brown coat and pants and the green sweater and tennis shoes. Now look here, McGee. I just came into this thing. Now because... you listen here, Gildersleeve. You do what I tell you or the. Oh, here's Otis. Now you remember your promise, Gildersleeve. Well, all right. Hey, Molly, Otis is here. You better slice the bread. Open the door, Throckmorton. Play, Billy. Sing, Jimmy. I didn't know what time it was Then I met you what a lovely time it was How sublime it was too I didn't know what day it was You held my hand Warm like the month of May it was And I'll say it was grand Grand to be alive, to be young To be mad, to be yours alone Grand your face, feel your touch, hear your voice, say I'm all your own. I didn't know what year it was, life was no pride. I wanted love and here it was, shining out of your eyes, I'm wise. And I know what time it is now. Grand to be alive, to be young, to be mad, to be yours alone. Grand to see your face, feel your touch, hear your voice, say I'm all your own. 
here it was Life was no prize I wanted love And here it was shining now of your eyes I'm wise And I know what time it is Oh, here, take the rest of mine, Otis, old man. <laughs> I've hardly touched it. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. I don't believe that I... Uh, and uh, Throckmorton. Uh, yes, sir? Mr. Cadwallader is out of water. Yeah, we want the waiter with the water for Mr. Cadwallader. <laughs> ah, the same little Molly Driscoll, I see. <laughs> oh, now, Otis. <laughs> And Throckmorton, I told you to give Mr. Cadwallader and Mrs. McGee the two good glasses and put the jelly glass at my place. I'm sorry, sir. Oh, it's so hard to get good servants nowadays, Otis, you know. Yes, I know. I have the same trouble in this country myself. Although the overseer of my castle in Scotland more or less takes those matters out of my hands. We had to give up our castle in Scotland. Mm -hmm. The Heather gave me husband the hay fever. Yes, sir. Throckmorton. Uh, yes, sir. Run out to the icebox and get Mr. Cadwallader another olive. <laughs> Very well, McGee. Uh, uh, odd sort of chap, Throckmorton. Been with you long? Oh, been with the family for years. <laughs> Cad, old man. And he's so dependable, yes. what with all the entertaining we do. Oh, you entertain a great deal, huh? Oh, I'll say so, Otis. In fact, one of the patrons of the opera, the wealthy Mrs. Uppington, you know, said she might drop in tonight for a liquor. <laughs> liquor, dearie. You see, Otis, so many of our friends are in the box yeah. that... Uh... Uh, in uh, the box? Yeah, you know... Well healed. Plenty of guilt. Beg pardon, sir. Your olive. Olive? Oh, yes, yes. Thanks. Prof Morton. That's no way to serve an olive with the sugar tongs. Sorry, madam. I couldn't find the ice pick. That's different. And Throckmorton... Mr. Cadwallader would like more cabbage. Yes, sir. More cabbage for Mr. Cardwobbler. Cadwallader. Yes, ma'am. Mm. A charming neighborhood, this, Molly. Must be very restful after traveling so much of the year. Oh, we find it so, Otis. Yeah, we got pretty good neighbors, too, Otis. Though we don't mix with them much. They're mostly middle class. <laughs> Give Otis a toothpick, Molly. This Dublin duck is kind of tough. Yes, Otis, we got pretty nice neighbors All except the one next door <laughs> A bloke named Gildersleeve McGee, be careful well, Beg pardon, Mr. McGee Your elbow Huh? It's in the mustard again 
Now, thanks, Gildas, or uh, Throckmorton. Oh, come, come, Otis. You're not eating anything. My goodness, you've been pecking at your food like a bird. <laughs> yeah, a vulture. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Cadwallader, old chop. <laughs> oh, it's quite all right. <laughs> Molly, I don't believe I can eat another thing, except I would like a cup of coffee. Oh, all right, Otis. Uh, McGee, let's have coffee in the library. Oh, it's too late, Molly. They close at 7.30. Oh, that's excellent, Fido. Excellent. Oh, uh, no. Fido. It's a uh, fibber, Otis. Oh, yes, yes. Fibber. Answer the phone, Throckmorton. Answer it yourself. My feet hurt. <laughs> Uh, yes, madam. Uh, sorry, sir. <clears throat> McGee residence? Who? Uh, just a moment, sir. I'll inquire. Uh, beg pardon, Mr. McGee. Huh? Somebody about the radio. Oh, tell him I'll pay him tomorrow. <laughs> thank you, sir. Don't thank me. I ain't paying you. No, sir. <laughs> Hello? Yes? No, he refuses to speak, sir. I beg pardon? Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I see. <laughs> yes, yes, I'll tell him about it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yes, thank you, sir. Goodbye. <laughs> A little more dignity, please, Throckmorton. <laughs> yes, madam. <laughs> oh, uh... You pardon me, madam. I think I hear the good humor man with the dessert. <laughs> uh, well, we have to make allowances for Throckmorton, Otis. He's been with us so long, he hates the whole family. Throckmorton, answer the door. Yes, madam. <laughs> right away, madam. <laughs> How do you do, Mr. Gildersleeve? Yes. I was hardly expecting uh, to... Beg pardon, madam. Uh, Throckmorton is the name. Oh, come, 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 Mr. Gildersleeve. I'd know you anywhere, even with that horrible uniform on. <laughs> oh, really, I didn't know I was intruding on a masquerade. Uh, I... Please, Mrs. Uppington. Uh... <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's difficult to explain, madam, but... <laughs> Let me announce you, madam. Mrs. Abigail Uppington. Oh. How do you do, Mrs. Uppington? So nice to see you. Oh, how do you do, my dear? And uh, Mr. McGee? Hi, Uppy. Er, I mean, <laughs> how do you do, Mrs. Uppington? Uppy, shake hands with old friend of Molly's, Mr. Otis Cadwallader. Oh, how do you do? How do you do? Uh, won't you sit down and have a shot of coffee, Mrs. Uppington? Brockmorton, <laughs> a demitasse for Mrs. Uppington. And put a saucer under it, too. <laughs> Let's do this thing right. Yes, sir. <laughs> right away, sir. <laughs> oh, please, Mr. McGee, I can't stay, you know. I just wanted to explain why I couldn't loan you my silverware oh, this afternoon. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> oh, we were just joking about that, Mrs. Yeah. Uppington. Joking? Well, oh, sure. I'm afraid I don't quite understand. I'm afraid there are some things here that I don't understand either. Well, Mrs. McGee, will you explain this? Mr. Gildersleeve in that butler's uniform, oh, I don't quite... Gildersleeve? Uh, but I thought... Why, you were speaking of a next-door neighbor named Gildersleeve, I believe. You uh, well, you see, Otis, we, uh, well... Uh... Be quiet, Throckmorton. Throckmorton? Yes. Why, that's Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, I never heard of... 
Well, I must say I resent being made the victim of such a stupid practical joke, whatever it is. Oh, now wait, Mrs. Uppington, please. It's all very simple. Yes, you certainly are, all of you. Goodbye. (laughs) Quiet, Throckmorton. You see, Otis, old man, this is all very embarrassing. Uh, Never mind the explanations. I feel that I, too, am the victim of some practical joke. Molly, it's nice to have seen you. My hat, Throckmorton. Oh, now, Otis, please. Where are my gloves, Throckmorton? (laughs) In your hat, Mr. Catterwalder. (laughs) Thanks. Good evening, Molly. Well, I'll be... Oh, dear, oh, dear, me lovely dinner. (laughs) Ah, what are you laughing at? That telephone, McGee, about the radio, remember? Well, what of it? Those repairmen didn't have no business dunning me over the phone. That wasn't the repairmen. Well, you said it was about a radio. Yes, it was. That was the pot of gold program calling you. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, folks, our time is up. Happy New Year. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to join us again next Tuesday night at this same time. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Stay tuned for My Favorite Husband next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now, Lucille Ball stars in My Favorite Husband. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's the new Gay Family series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Brought to you by the Jell-O family of desserts. J-E-L-L. And now transcribed Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper, two people who live together and like it. And now, let's look in on the Coopers. It's evening, and in the living room we find a strange sight. On the floor, completely covering the rug, is a sea of papers, scissors, paste, waste baskets, and snapshots. And in the middle, like a small island, is Liz Cooper, with a scrapbook on her lap. Liz, aren't you through working on that scrapbook? I thought we were going to a movie. We are. I'll be ready in a minute. Well, honey, can't you do that later? You know how I hate to come in after the movie has started. So you miss the first three minutes. What's the difference? It's always the same. MGM presents. (laughs) Oh, I didn't mean that part. (laughs) Well, I'll be ready in just a second, honey. I only have about four more things to paste in our scrapbook. Well, hurry up. Well, I am hurrying. Now, what did I do with that... Oh, you're standing on it, dear. Lift your foot. What's that? That's a picture of the car we bought last year. Let's see. 
Oh, this picture must have been taken before you started driving. It's got four fenders. <laughs> now, George, I couldn't help what happened. All I did was forget to turn and went straight. <laughs> Would have been all right if we weren't on a dead-end street. That was such a beautiful car. I miss it. You know, it's still stuck in that house, Liz. It is? I'll bet they're the only people in town with a new Hudson in the kitchen. <laughs> I'll never forget the day I taught you to drive. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing now, but you weren't laughing then. Yeah, well, I'm more mature now. I aged ten years that day. <laughs> now, I thought I did real well. Remember, you took me out and... Okay, Liz. There isn't much traffic on this back road. I guess you can start driving now. All right. Here I go. I push the starter button down like this. George, the starter button's broken. No, it isn't. Well, why doesn't it start? Push it in long enough and you'll find out. But nothing's ha... Ow! Why did it get hot? Because it's the cigarette lighter. <laughs> what a dirty trick. Now, Dan, don't tell me. Uh, is this it? Try it and see. Okay. Well, it must be broken. That was the radio. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't want to suggest anything radical, but what do you think that little button that says starter is for? Oh, I guess I'm excited. Here we go. <laughs> Hooray, it started. Congratulations. Why aren't we going? Uh, you forgot a little thing called putting it in gear. Oh, there. No, no, no. Am I doing something wrong, George? Throw out the clutch. What's the matter with it? Nothing. Well, then why should I throw it out? Step on the clutch. Push it in. Well, why did you say so? My goodness, you get so excited. I'm not excited. <laughs> And what's that white stuff around your mouth? It's just a little foam. Now, now you have the clutch out and the motor on. Now shift into low. Now, wait a minute. Uh, low is up here, isn't it? No. Oh, I know. Down here. Up here? There's only one place left. Oh, it's here. There. Now, what do I do? Let the clutch out. Okay. Oh! <laughs> George, say something. Wait till I get my head out of the back seat. <laughs> I think my neck is broken. This car doesn't work very well. Start it again. I'll brace myself. All right. Ah, how am I driving, George? Fine, except for one little thing. What's that? You're driving on the wrong side of the road. Well, what's the difference? There aren't any cars coming. Oh! As a favor to me and the insurance company, will you please pull over? Well, I'd be delighted. Well, go ahead. Here comes a car. No, wait. Stay on this side. He's going around you. What a reckless driver. <laughs> now, he shouldn't have gone up on two wheels like that. Liz, let's, let's come to a stop. Well, why should I stop? I'm doing fine. Now, just let me alone. Uh, 
look, uh, the motor vehicle department is on this corner, and, and I thought you wanted to get your license today. Oh, I do. Do you think I'm ready? Well, if we wait till you're ready, you'll be too old for a license. <laughs> now, come to a stop. All right. What do I do? Put your hand out. Signal for a stop. Okay. Now, shift into neutral. Okay. Oh, look out! Lish, you almost hit that tree. Why did you take both hands off the wheel? You told me to. <laughs> I did not. You did too. You told me to shift with my right hand and signal with my left, and I didn't have any hands left over to steal. <laughs> what do you think I am, an octopus? Now, now look, honey. Now just calm down and, and go in there and take your driver's test. Well, do you really think I'll pass it? Sure. You remember everything you did today, don't you? Yes. Well, do just the opposite. All right. <laughs> Good luck, dear. Now, let's see. When you hear a siren, you pull over and let it go by. When you pass a streetcar on the right at 15 miles an hour, I wonder how fast you can pass it on the left. <laughs> yes Oh, how do you do? Uh, I'd like to get a driver's license, please All right, name, please Elizabeth Cooper Address? 321 Bundy Uh-huh A race? Of course not, I don't even have a driver's license <laughs> I think this is going to be one of my bad days <laughs> How much do you weigh? Yes <laughs> 285. Very amusing. 118. How old are you? 21. 21. <laughs> you know, I haven't missed on that one in a long time. It's funny, there are no women drivers in the United States over 21. May I have my license now? Not yet. I have some more questions to ask you. Uh, eyes? Yes, two. <laughs> They're blue. Thank you. And red. What? My hair is red. That's the next question, isn't it? Naturally. Well, just a henna rinse now and then. And <laughs> well, now for the fingerprint. Uh, give me your right thumb, please. What for? I want to hit your ride home and mine is tired. <laughs> I'm going to take your thumbprint. I don't want to put my thumb in that dirty old ink. Now, this won't hurt a bit. Just no, give me No, I the don't right hand want and we'll to. Put it in the... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you get my fingerprint? Yes, right on the end of my nose. <laughs> Congratulations. Now, may I have my license? No. Let's test your eyes. Now, I'll hold this white card over your eye. Tell me what you see. A white card. No, what do you see out of the other eye? Nothing. Why not? It's closed. <laughs> read those letters on the wall over there. Okay. M-E-N. Go ahead on to the driving part of the test. You're not going to pass that. What makes you so sure? I know the man who's going to give you the test. Who is it? Me! Oh, no!
I can't understand it, Liz. If you made that fellow so mad, why did he give you a license? Well, as soon as he saw how I drove, we made sort of a bargain. He said he'd give me my license if I'd let him out of the car. <laughs> I'll make a bargain with you. I'll make a bargain with you. you Let's go that. to the show. Yeah, all right, George. <laughs> we'll go right... Oh, look what I found. What now? The best thing in the whole scrapbook. What? A recipe for how to fix Jello. I heard it on the radio one night and I wrote it down. It made such an impression on me. I can almost hear them doing it right now. J-E-L-L-O. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jello family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jello family. That's Jello. Yum, yum, yum. Jello puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jello tap. And there's a grand and glorious holiday weekend coming up, so here's a grand and glorious Jell-O party dessert that you can make up easily ahead of time called Raspberry Bavarian Pie. Just dissolve one package of raspberry Jell-O in one and a half cups of hot water and add a dash of salt and chill. When slightly thickened, fold in three-fourths cup of cream whipped and turn into a baked pie shell. Chill until firm. As gay and cool and cheerful as vacation. Rich rose-red raspberry jello and whipped cream, chilled icy cold in a crisp pie shell. All six delicious jello flavors are wonderfully refreshing and fruit-like. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Cause all six are rich with luscious, locked-in goodness. Look for those big red letters on the box. They spell J-E-L-L-O. Back to the Coopers. Two hours ago, Liz and George started to go to a movie, but they were sidetracked by a scrapbook that Liz was pasting things in. Well, right now, George is getting up from the floor and saying for the tenth time... Honey, look at the time. If we're going to the movie, let's get started. All right, dear, I'm coming right... Oh, George, remember that affidavit you made me sign? What are you talking about? Look. I, Liz Cooper, solemnly swear that I will not interrupt any of my husband's stories, even if I've heard them a hundred times. <laughs> I remember that now. Brother, it certainly didn't last very long. You're still interrupting my stories. Only the ones I've heard more than a hundred times. <laughs> very funny. George, remember the night you made me sign that. You were so mad at me. The Atterberries were over for dinner, and afterwards we went into the living room, and, and you started telling your cries. Oh, Katie, we've got to do something fast. Make some coffee, serve some food, anything. What's the matter, Mrs. Cooper? Uh, the Atterbury's just made a terrible mistake. Oh, good heavens, what did they do? Well, George told one of his funny stories, and they laughed at it. Oh, dear. Now he'll go on and on telling stories all night. One person snickers, and George thinks his last name is Jessel. <laughs> I'll put the coffee on right away Yeah, and make some nice thick sandwiches He won't be able to talk so much with his mouth full I'll go back in and try to change the sun And the fellow said, no, I don't want that kind of frosting on the top of the wedding cake Take it back and fix it <laughs> Well, anyway, to make a long story short It's too late, Cooper boy <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway Oh, George, don't tell that story It's so old Please, Liz uh, well, the fellow came back. Besides, the Atterberries know that story. They do not. They do, too. Everybody does. Don't you? 
Well, I... I'm not sure. Oh, you know, the baker... (laughs) The baker has just finished a five-layer wedding cake, and he asks the customer where he wants it delivered, and the customer says, no place, I'll eat it here. (laughs) (laughs) No, we hadn't heard it. Oh, I apologize, George. They haven't heard it. Go ahead and tell it. Thanks a lot. Well, I I thought they'd heard it. Maybe this will teach you that the stories I tell aren't as old as you think they are, and everybody hasn't heard them. Yes, George. (laughs) Oh, if you think that was funny, Mr. Atterbury, did I ever tell you about the time... Katie's fixing sandwiches and coffee for all of us. Oh, that'll be nice, Liz. Splendid, yes. It's like that. Like sandwiches. Rye bread. (laughs) Well, it's... It's a very funny story, really. It, it all started on our honeymoon. Anyone read any good books lately? Have you, Iris? Elizabeth. Ooh, he's mad. <laughs> Just what are you trying to do? Please, George, not that broken-down old story about our honeymoon. Now, I know they've heard that one. Mr. Atterbury, have I told you the story about what happened to Liz and me on our honeymoon? Not tonight. <laughs> oh. Well, Mrs. Atterbury, did I tell you the funny thing that happened to Liz and me on our honeymoon? Yes, you did. Oh. Well, Liz, did I... I was there. (laughs) Oh, that's right. George, if you have to tell a story, why don't you tell about last Fourth of July? Now, there's one you tell wonderfully. (laughs) It's really a scream. Well, I don't have to tell a story, you know. I'll live without it. Well, all right, George. Maybe we should all play bridge. Bridge would be fine. Yes, I haven't played bridge for a long time. Play bridge, yes. Contract, I prefer it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last Fourth of July was pretty funny at that. As you were, bridge players. Liz? Go ahead, George. It's a very funny story, and I'd like to hear it again. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, the Smiths and the Sturms were going on a picnic with us. Well, we started out that morning about, oh, 10 o'clock, and we it took along... It was 12 o'clock. It was 10 o'clock. It was 12 o'clock. Well, what's the difference? Two hours. <laughs> I mean to the story. It does make a darn bit of difference. It does, too. That's why we were late, and the... Well, I, I don't want to spoil the story. Go ahead. Anyway, we got to the picnic grounds and... The cars. Hmm? Don't forget the cars. Oh, that's right. Well, there were three cars. I was first, Howie Stern was in back of me, and Bill Smith was driving the last car. Oh, you're ruining the whole thing. Would you like to tell the story, Liz? No, but I'm just helping you to tell it right. Howie was first, Bill was second, and we were last. Maybe Bill was first, you were second, and Howie was last. (laughs) Rudolph. Well, it (laughs) is. It was the only combination left. No, Rudolph, there's one more. It might have been Bill first, Howie second. I take it back. We all went in the same bus. <laughs> well, that's the coward's way out. <laughs> anyway, we got to the picnic grounds about 2 o'clock. Don't look at me. I'm not going to say anything more. Good. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what you left out. We got to the picnic <laughs> Did you have to say that, Liz? I didn't open my mouth. What did I leave out? Nothing. Go on. Finish your story. Well, we spread the food out, and it started to rain. It poured. So we all ran for the car, and when we got there... Uh... Well, what happened, boy? Uh... What's the matter, George? 
Oh, you interrupted me so much I forget how it ends. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you're a wonderful story. Oh. <laughs> oh, George, I'll never forget the look on your face. I felt so sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at my pathetic expression now, Liz. I want to go to a movie. All right, poor little baby. Well... Oh, look at this, George. What is it? The valentine you gave me this year. Oh, gee, I'd forgotten. Yeah, well, that's a man for you. I remember perfectly. We were sitting at the breakfast table when you gave it to me. Oh, George, this valentine is beautiful. You know the real reason I like Valentine's Day? Hmm. Because it's such a good excuse to be all mushy and gushy about you. Yeah? (laughs) What's your excuse the other 364 days? You're mushy all the time. (laughs) Yeah, but on Valentine's Day, I can be mushy and loud. I love you, George! Liz, keep quiet! I love you, George! (laughs) What about Katie? Katie loves you, too, George! (laughs) What about the lady next door? She... What about the lady next door? She might hear you. Now simmer down. All right, I'll be quiet. I love you, George. Now that's better. Do you love me, George? Yes, I do. Well, I'm glad to hear that, George. Anybody want more coffee? (laughs) No, thank you, Katie. What are we whispering for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just a joke, Katie. We were kidding about Valentine's Day. Kidding? Mm-hmm. Oh, you should never joke about Valentine's Day. Oh, it's a beautiful occasion. Why, Katie, I think you have a boyfriend. <laughs> well, I've written a Valentine poem, and I'm going to give it to... <laughs> <laughs> to whom? I'm going to give it to... <laughs> Is that his first or his last name? <laughs> oh, Mrs. Cooper, it's for Mr. Dabney the Butcher. Oh! Oh, old heavy thumb. <laughs> Is the butcher your boyfriend, Katie? Oh, not exactly, but I've always liked him. Well, you could do worse than Mr. Dabney. He's quite attractive and a good butcher. Some people may have better beef, but his liver's good. (laughs) And no one has ox tail and pig's feet like his. What's it cost to see him? (laughs) Well, I do have a problem, though, Mrs. Cooper. I haven't got the nerve to give Mr. Dabney the valentine I wrote to him, and he'll be here any minute with his delivery. So would you... Give it to him for me. Why, sure, Katie. Anything to help out romance. Yeah, well, I can't watch this. I'm going to the bank. <laughs> Goodbye, dear. Goodbye, darling. Oh, here's the Valentine, Mrs. Cooper. Oh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> what have you got on this, Katie? Well, I wanted to send it with an odor he'd like. But it's all soggy. What'd you do, soak it in perfume? No, bacon grease. <laughs> well, now, that's romantic. That's Mr. Dabney. I know his buzz. Well. I'll hide in the dining room until he's gone. Okay. Hi. Oh, hello, Miss Cooper. Well, hello, Mr. Dabney. Come on in. Here's your meat order, Miss Cooper. 
Fresh from Dabney's, the home of Happy Ham Hocks. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Dabney. It's a pleasure. Oh, Mr. Dabney, before you go, I, um, I have something for you. It's a personal matter. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I happen to know that one of your customers thinks you're rather nice. No. Yes. She's been too bashful to tell you, but since this is Valentine's Day, she wants you to know she likes you a lot. You know something, Miss Cooper? What? I like you a lot, too. <laughs> oh, no. Now, wait a minute. I'm not the one. Well, you're still bashful, man. Eh? <laughs> uh, you little minx, you. Oh, just... Just a second now. I'm speaking for someone else. What's that you're hiding behind your back? Oh, how did I get mixed up in this? <laughs> well, here, this will straighten things out. It's a valentine. Oh, Miss Cooper, I feel like such a heel. I ain't got one for you. Oh, now, stop this nonsense. If I'd only known, I'd have brought you a heart-shaped piece of salami. <laughs> Never mind. Look, just read this, Valentine. You'll see what I'm trying to tell you. All right. Liz. <laughs> It looks beautiful. And how did you know my favorite aroma, Swift's Premium? Read the Valentine. All right. If you'll be mine, then I'll be thine. You set my heart a quiver. Say you'll be my Valentine and bring two pounds of liver. Well, that's a practical thought. Miss Cooper, this is touching. Did you write this all by your little self? For the last time, no. Look at the signature. Well, it's signed, Your Bashful Redhead. Oh, no. Katie! Katie, where are you? Oh, don't try to pretend, Liz. No. <laughs> now, you stay on that side of the kitchen table and, and listen to me. Katie wrote this. I didn't. Don't try to fight this thing. It's bigger than both of us. Now, stop talking like that, Mr. Gabney. What about Katie? She's bigger than both of us, too. <laughs> oh, Miss Cooper, I admired you for years. Each little lamb chop you bought, I personally put the pants on. <laughs> Come here, you bashful redhead. <laughs> to me. Katie has red hair, too. We're both redheads. Katie's the one for you. Listen, two houses may have red roofs, but you don't pick the one with the sagging foundation. <laughs> oh, it was awful. I had to barricade the kitchen door. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that. Well, Mr. Dabney has, and we haven't had a tender steak since I jilted him. <laughs> hey, that scrapbook really brings back a lot of wonderful memories. What else do you have in there? No, no more talk about the scrapbook. We're going to the movie right now. What time is it? Uh, two o'clock. Two o'clock? Oh, no. <laughs> but it was fun reminiscing, wasn't it, George? We'll go to the movie tomorrow night, huh? Yeah. Kiss me. You talk me into it. <laughs> Hold me tight, George. Okay. Tighter. 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 
Oh, but Liz! Go on, pretend I'm a sack of walnuts and crack my shells. <laughs> oh, you're crazy, but you're awful cute. <laughs> Honey, you know something. What? You're my favorite husband. <laughs> Listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Dunning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed Wait by. Wait a minute, Bob. This is the last show until fall, and I want to get into the act and say thanks to our director, Jess Oppenheimer, and Madeline Pugh, and Bob Carroll Jr., who wrote the scripts with him. And thanks to Marlon Skiles for his original music, and Wilbur Hatch, who conducted the orchestra. And Ray Lithgow, our engineer, and Clark Casey for his fine sound effects. And a million thanks to Richard Denning, who just is George Cooper. And Ruth Parrott, who plays the part of Katie. And the Atterberries, Gail Gordon and B. Benaderet. And Frank Nelson and Hans Conried. And you, Bob Lamont. <clears throat> and those wonderful Jello people who played the part of the sponsor and are just as nice as the desserts they make. We'll all be back on the 2nd of September. Goodbye, everybody, and thank you. sure to see Lucille Ball and Bob Hope in that wonderful Paramount picture, Sorrowful Jones. It's playing at your favorite theater now. My Favorite Husband will be back at the same time starting September 2nd. See you then. Bob Lamont speaking. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nero Wolf, followed by Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Thanks to Joel Shomwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.